It's Tuesday, November 5th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me in studio from MFAM Funds, it's Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It's hot IPO day. We've got three companies reporting earnings. All three were companies of intense interest when they went public. Doesn't mean all the IPOs were great, but two of them were from this year alone. We're going to start with Uber. Uber's third quarter report, they lost a billion dollars. There were other numbers, too. But shares of Uber are down more than 8%. And I'm assuming it has something to do with the fact that they lost a billion dollars in 90 days. Probably has a bit to do with that. Uh, they are growing rapidly, still 30% top line growth. They'd like you to look at that number, but the market is looking at the bottom line instead, which ends up not being a fair fight uh, for <laughs> for Uber because it uh, is just going to keep talking about the top line. It is saying, well, we can be adjusted EBITDA positive by 2021, which is a lot of. Um, Adjustments there. I was just going to say, there are a lot of caveats that come with that. Yeah. A couple of years out, if you don't look at EBITDA, which is not looking at net income, but you look at adjusted EBITDA, then, and you squint real hard, you'll see that we look like we're not losing money years from now in this world. Right. And then the market is looking at the fact that tomorrow uh, the IPO uh, lockup expires, and so you've got a lot of new shares available for sale. And so I think that maybe some of today's selling has something to do with wanting to get out before more people get out tomorrow. Yeah. I think I've made this point before. It's a little bit like uh, in your personal life saying, don't judge me by my looks, judge me by adjusted handsomeness. Because on an adjusted handsomeness, I'm I'm pretty close to Brad Pitt. If you adjust, if you adjust, <laughs> and, and just straight up looks, no, nowhere near that. But adjusted handsomeness, sure, uh, yeah. adjusted future handsomeness, <laughs> exactly in 2021. <laughs> look, really, when we're both dead, exactly, going to look just as good. Um, it, it's interesting, and we're gonna, we're going to come back to this with uh, with Peloton. Um, it does seem like. We are absolutely at this point with the market right now where there are a lot of investors, and a lot of them are probably institutional investors, who are not willing to put up with things that they were willing to put up with six months ago, 12 months ago. And so Uber is saying, look, we're growing the top line. It's like, that's fine, but that's less interesting to us than it was last year. Yeah, I think that uh, you've always got a large chunk of the market, which is going to be uh, value investors and who always care about earnings. And then you've got the growth investors who are excited about the top line growth, uh, maybe more so than uh, than the bottom line. But there are a lot of other companies out there that are growing the top line in a very healthy manner as well. And so Uber's presentation that, hey, we can grow the top line at 30%, Let's not look at the bottom line. Is up against many companies, uh, largely in the software space, that are growing uh, both the top and bottom line by impressive amounts. So Uber's growth story is in competition with um, profit growth stories, and that's not a good uh, fight for it to be having. I'm sure there are some growth investors who look at the drop in Uber today and say, "Well, it's down eight percent." I I like this even more because I'm willing to hold it for five years. Are you one of those people? Well, I've seen a couple of analyst reports talk about um, sort of dropping their target price, but still having a target price around double of, of what the current share price is. So they're focusing on 
hey, the 2021 adjusted EBITDA profit, maybe that doesn't sound great to you, but we were thinking it was going to take even longer, until 2023, maybe. So, today's news to us, and we're willing to tilt our head a little bit and squint and look at the numbers in the way that Uber would like us to look at them. Now, maybe that's because these analysts are looking at Uber's um, need for financing in the mid to near term future maybe they need to raise more cash some bonds to cover all these sales uh, sorry these losses so you know they might want to be on uber's good side you always have to uh, season your analysis of wall street's uh, work with that perspective uh, but you know the growth is impressive uber someday could uh, pull back on how many different businesses it's Losing money in, and probably come up with a quicker profit growth story than is presented so far, and you know, maybe that's something to hang your hat on. Still trading below the IPO price. Um, let's move on to Shake Shack. Yesterday there was a headline I saw, and the headline was: Will Shake Shack's spectacular 2019 continue with its third quarter report? And the answer appears to be a resounding no, because Shake Shack. Down 20% today. Uh, same store sales in the third quarter came in at 2%. That's only a half a percent lower than what was expected. But I think to go back to the headline, it actually has been a very good year for this stock. And Shake Shack has sort of moved into this category as a business. Maybe we're not expecting perfect results for them, but in this environment, if they're going to miss, then um, we're taking some money off the table. Yeah, a lot of things to say about this one. Uh, one, to focus on that headline as to what was spectacular. Was it Shake Shack's business year or the stock year? And the stock year had been spectacular, and one wonders why to that degree. And if you look at a chart of Shake Shack, it's one of the companies that I like to refer to as the stock having visited lots of different interesting places. <laughs> and it skyrocketed after its IPO, got up to I don't know. 90. 90. It was north of 90. Came down to 30 after that, you know, back up to, you know, close to 90 again and that now it's at 60 some. Uh, and if you look at the actual operations, it, it's a fairly smooth growth story. Uh, which just doesn't have quite the highs and lows that the chart would suggest and you know, profits are it's it's trading at 100 times earnings. So it's same store sales are 2%. Yes, it can open a bunch of stores, but why are people paying 100 times earnings for this company? I think they're asking themselves that, you know, based on the 20% drop in the stock today. And even with the drop that we're seeing today, the stock is still up around 50% year to date. So it is interesting though because you're right. This is not a business that has been what I consider to be overly aggressive with their expansion plans. They've been pretty steady with it. So I'm not really sure why they are afforded the multiple they're afforded. I assume at least part of it has to do with a decent concentration of its locations in New York City. Possibly that, possibly having captured because of that uh, some of the financial. Uh, media's attention. I mean, the amount of uh, mentions that Shake Shack gets on something like CNBC in proportion to the size of its business is fairly odd. Uh, but 
it's a good growth story. It is actually profitable, uh, as it should be, given its size and the business that it's in. But one of the problems with this uh, report was it referenced that it is moving from using a number of different delivery services to only using Grubhub, and that is going to impact sales to to the downside, which makes one wonder just how much is Grubhub offering Shake Shack to be the sole provider of delivery services for Shake Shack? How much is that worth it to Shake Shack to sacrifice some additional sales because they must be getting a pretty sweet deal from Grubhub. And if you look at Grubhub's stock price, you'll see uh, that it must have gotten into a lot of bad deals because it's it's going nowhere. Yeah, I think this is uh, something to keep an eye on just from the standpoint of whether it's 2020 or thereafter. Be on the lookout for one of these two companies being quick to announce we're no longer part of this deal. Uh, you've got to wonder, you know, what what is in it for Shake Shack because they are highlighting that as something which is certain to create uncertainty about the rest of the year's sales, same store sales, and uh, which, by the way, they lowered guidance for that for the full fiscal year as well. Right. So they're in part because they're just going to be delivering and selling less because they're in a number of markets. Uh, I think Grubhub is very dominant in New York. Uh, but not so much in many other markets where Shake Shack needs to have its food delivered. And if people can't get it delivered through their preferred uh, vendor, then they may just not be getting anything from Shake Shack. Uh, you know, at the margins, I mean, it's bringing same store sales down. I think 1.5 percent or something is the guidance. I mean, there are fairly small. Uh, increments that this is moving around by, but it is moving as it always has the stock much more than the business itself. Peloton Interactive issued its first report as a public company. Uh, Peloton reported a loss, which I can't imagine is surprising to anyone. Um, their revenue, however, more than doubled year over year, which is similar to Uber. That's the thing they'd like you to focus on. They would, and it's a, I think, easier story to buy in terms of just look at how fast we are growing right now, and look at how many things we could pull back on to create profit if that was what was most interesting to us and our board. And the uh, CEO stated and tried to sell that uh, <laughs> profitability is not something that they are focused on as they. Are exploring and growing in international markets and, and putting more money into R and D. And if you've got a subscription model like they do, you can have some reasonably reliable uh, future revenues. Uh, so it's not taking the, the same kind of hit uh, that some of these other things are. Uh, but to go back to, I think the overall point: Hey, growth is good. What about profitable growth? If you can't deliver that, plenty of investors are willing to look at. Profitable growth stories. Well, I find it interesting that Peloton is investing in the ways that you mentioned, and yet John Foley, the CEO on CNBC this morning, said that they were contemplating doing a Super Bowl ad and they decided not to do it. And I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to the effect of, We didn't think that would go over so well in the current climate. And I thought, you know what? You're absolutely right, <laughs> because 
that's not necessarily the kind of investment I think is really going to meaningfully drive Peloton. Um, and much better that they're making the investments that they're making. So another thing that he said uh, in the conference call, I think, or, or sometime around then, was that uh, the uh, fully described the market uh, reaction after the IPO as quote a perfect storm of being lopped into all kinds of buckets that were unfortunate and wrong. And my response to that is this is yet another misuse of the perfect storm. <laughs> Which should be thought of as kind of a one in a hundred years type of thing, rather than oh, our stock is down twenty percent after the IPO because we have no profits. Like oh, that's just because you're comparing us to wrong things like other unprofitable companies. Or you know, I, I think that they, if they deliver profits, they'll find the market is very receptive to their story. I don't know John Foley, but yeah, that's a little whiny. And and to your point, a complete misuse of the phrase "perfect storm." Uh, and you could get it. I, I used to write an article um, about the misuse of "perfect storm," and you could uh, Google "perfect storm" at any day of the year and come up with four or five things which were apparently perfect storms. <laughs> and they would they would involve you know whatever happened politics that day to you know some stock to uh, you know a, a, an individual baseball game. Have you read that book, The Perfect Storm? Yes, great book. Such a great book. Such a great book. And and one of those books that whenever people, you know, whether it's posting on Facebook or on, on Twitter or just in conversation, they're like, "Oh, I'm looking for a new book." You know, that is a book that I will throw out there as, "Have you read this book?" Because if you hadn't, if you haven't read The Perfect Storm, you absolutely should. It is brilliantly written. Um, if you've seen the movie with George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg, that's fine. Yeah, I had <laughs> but, no interest in seeing that. But uh, it, they, you know, I, I like I like all the actors in it. But it just did, I didn't expect it to live up to to the book. Um, does any movie live up to the book? Sure, many. Like what? You don't have time. Okay. <laughs> well, that's not one of them. The Godfather. Um, not a great book. All right, we're not going to get into this now. I'll just say if you haven't Godfather two. If you haven't read <laughs> the Perfect Storm, you absolutely your should. favorite. Godfather Three. Godfather Three. Uh, it has some merits. I'm just saying it has some merits. The merits which you've discussed on apropos of nothings. Yes, and we've gotten a couple of questions lately through email and on Twitter, and uh, I think we mentioned this a month or so ago. But uh, for those who are relatively new to the show, once or twice a year we'll we'll do um, a special episode of Market Foolery, special in air quotes, uh, called Apropos of Nothing, and it has nothing to do with investing or business, and it's myself and Bill and a third person. And uh, we've, we've got one coming up. It, it, it will absolutely happen, I would say, what's today, November 5th? Or we're absolutely recording it like Monday, aren't we? Yeah, no, yeah. we're recording. I'm just not sure when it's going to go. Well, it's, it goes through months of editing. Well, there's editing. There's legal. <laughs> there's <laughs> the production values. There's the soundtrack. Yeah, there's all sorts of things that go into it. So like Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. I would say in the next month. We'll, Thursday maybe. We'll drop that. So you're not. Are you going to do an episode next Thursday? Uh, yes. So next week is the Motley Fool's annual meeting, uh, Foolapalooza, as we call it here at the Motley Fool. We've got 24 of our colleagues coming in from uh, global offices uh, to here to Fool HQ, and we'll be uh, out of the office uh, Thursday and Friday of next week. But we will be 
recording. I will be recording uh, an episode of Market Foolery to go next Thursday. So, well, if you've got questions, this will be one of those mail mailbag uh, ones. Are you is, are you going to pretend that it's like being recorded on the day? No, of? I'm going to tell people. I've just told people we're recording this. Ahead of time. <laughs> like no, no. So, if, so if you've got questions, you're looking for something to fill up the, that episode. I mean, I had a couple of ideas, but we always love questions. You're looking for better questions from from the dozens of listeners. Marketfoolery at fool.com is our email address. Drop us an email. We're lonely, for crying out loud. Just drop us an email. Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about in The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 